You've created your business and now it's time to protect it. Whether it's your podcast, speaking engagements that you do virtually or live on in-person stages or the community that you've built, you want to make sure that what you've created is taken care of and well protected. This is where AWB contract templates come in. They're customizable, quick and easy to complete and cost a fraction of working with a lawyer one-on-one. They have tons of options available so you can choose the ideal one for your business needs. It's an instant download. You get a Word doc template, you fill in the blanks and in about 20 minutes, you're all done. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash contracts today to pick out your new business contracts. And when you check out, be sure to use the code play for 20% off your contract purchase. That's P-L-A-Y in all caps for 20% off. Protect your business with AWB contract templates. There's no shortage of business tools out there that promise to make your life easier, to make the process smooth, to streamline all the things, but sometimes you just don't know what's different and being able to hear from someone that's used it can take some of the guesswork out of it. If you're looking for something that's gonna simplify the client experience, give you a smooth, simple, and easy process, well, HoneyBook is the one for you. I've used it for years with my wedding clients. I've used it when it comes to contracts, timelines, proposals. It allows me to keep all these things in one place and it keeps my communication customized, branded for me so that people know exactly who it is that's emailing them and that they are in good hands. All the templates that you need to keep it simple are all there. Again, those brochures, those contact forms that you can pop on your website so your clients can hop right on then in the pipeline and you can keep the process going. You can invite your team or keep it streamlined if you are working as a solopreneur. Automations, workflows, all the things to keep your back office running like a well-oiled machine. And if you're ready to step into that place and try something new, recommend it by me. Go on over to the show notes, get the code, and you will get 50% off trying out HoneyBook today. That's right, 50% off. So go on over, visit the show notes, check it out, find out how it is going to be the thing that is going to make a difference for you. Got questions? Want to know more? Go on over to HoneyBook.com today. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Pause on the Play. As always, it is amazing to see you here where you are challenged to examine your beliefs, question your predisposed notions, and consider realities you may be unfamiliar with in order to understand that they too are real. I am your host and conversation MC for the day, Erica Corday, here to get the dialogue going. So there's a lot of talk around fear and what happens with fear and Do you keep going? Do you stop? Is this something that's trying to tell you something? What do you need to do with it? And I am a firm believer that fear is going to be there. It's not something that's going to go away. And technically you don't want it to. It's something that is also there to protect you and to kind of help to keep you safe. But everything is not indicative of a bear chasing you. So I think it's really important to make sure that you kind of consider, you know, what is this really? And is this something that I need to consider? Does it need to stop me? Um, is this something that is really what I have made it out to be in my head? And 
and really kind of going into, you know, kind of what that can look like. I felt like I wanted to bring somebody on that was going to give a little bit of context. And my amazing friend, Emily Souter is perfect for that. So she's got a new book out called Sparks and it's a little bit of memoir and a little bit of self-help. Um, this is kind of what she calls it. And it's something that definitely talks about, um, feeling the fear and really just doing the thing anyway and how, you know, tapping into your amusement and trust and intuition is a part of just kind of going forward and not letting fear be the reason why you don't or you didn't or you won't and just kind of you know not letting it derail you um, and she says it so eloquently in you know our interview the fear does not tell your truth and it was just such a true and accurate statement and it that along with you know practice doesn't make perfect like these two statements really sums up um you know, this entire episode, because for me, you know, practice doesn't make perfect is something because people are looking for perfect and perfect is just not real. Perfect is just this elusive thing that ends up being a reason why you can't or you don't do something. And you just kind of have to do the thing anyway. And imperfect action is something that is what is going to keep you moving forward. And so practice is a version of that and not letting the fear tell your truth. Just just doing it and going with that. So without further ado, I'm going to let you listen in to my conversation with Emily Souter. Enjoy. So uh, right now is one of those times in life where it could be extremely easy to let fear kind of get in the way. But honestly, that's just a regular day. Like I think sometimes it's really easy to tell yourself, whatever story you need to at that moment to keep from doing the thing. And the telling of that story is based in this fear that somehow we've told ourselves is, is real and whether it is or it isn't, it really doesn't matter. At some point, you know, you have to learn how to feel the fear and, and just do the thing anyway. And so that was why for me, it just made perfect sense to bring my amazing friend, Emily on. And I want her to, tell you about herself and kind of what she's been up to. So introduce yourself to the Pause on the Play audience and community, Miss Emily. Hey, Erica, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Um, so I am a couple different things. I am a licensed therapist and I'm certified in perinatal mental health. So that's one of my businesses. And then I'm also a coach and a Reiki master practitioner for people who are ready to infuse their lives with joy and comfort and confidence and structure. And I also do a fair amount of writing. So I just had a book that came out. It's called Sparks. And Sparks is part self-help, part memoir for learning to release the power that fear holds over us and sort of opening up to the concepts of amusement, trust, and that inner knowing that we have or that intuition. So the in interesting thing for me is, um, for those of you that maybe haven't heard this story, I'm going to tell you a little bit about how we met, and this okay. is part of the reason. <laughs> this is part of the reason why um, I have such a warm spot for you because um, there's a local networking group that we were in, and 
afterwards, um, Emily kind of reached out and was like, can I ask you a question that I genuinely just kind of want to know? And she asked me how it felt being a woman of color, being the only or um, one of few in such a white space. And for me, the fact that she actually wanted to have that conversation with me was a thing. But two, the fact that you had the balls to ask me where most people would just kind of think it in their heads and they'd never say it. And I'm like, I like this girl. (laughs) And so I've seen a number of things, you know, over the, I think it's been a couple years now, almost that I've, I've known you that I've seen that really do speak to things that maybe some people could find fear in, and yet you do it anyway. Um, One is the, like, for example, the doula work that you do, you will talk about the disparities between mothers of color and uh, white mothers and like the, you know, mortality rates and things like that. And, you know, seeing the types of things that you will give voice to through the realm of what you do despite how some people would not do it because, oh, it's scary and, you know, you do it anyway. And not allowing the fear to stop you is, is something that I, I think, I think we all have our moments, but I think it's something that you have shown you're capable of doing and that, you know, kind of feel the fear and do it anyway is definitely something that draws me to you. (laughs) Besides the fact that I actually really like you. (laughs) Oh, no, I know. Well, that was the thing too, is just like, we always really connected. And like, I, I think I see some of the same things in you and it mirrors that. Um, And just to clarify, like, so, so I don't do doula work in particular therapy, but, um, but just to clarify for the listeners in case, um, in case they're curious, but I do work exactly with that population with pregnancy and postpartum. And um, those things need a light shown on them. And it can be scary to do that, especially as someone who, you know, might be scared about getting it wrong or coming across in the wrong way or starting a conversation that nobody wants to have. Like I apparently, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, sometimes the need for it to happen outweighs the potential discomfort, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, I, so I feel like this is the thing that kind of will stop most people. Um, If they're like, oh, you know, the fear is creeping up, um, imposter syndrome, um, you know, fear of not doing it perfectly and just, you know, imperfect action not being enough. Regardless of what the reason is, there is just this kind of place of, you know, who am I to do that? I can't do that. You know, what if I put my foot in my mouth or what if I, what if I do get it wrong? And at some point, that can't be the reason why you just don't, mm-hmm. particularly in situations where, um, you know, like you mentioned, if, if there are conversations that aren't being had by you or some other people, then what happens to those that don't have a voice? And then it's just, it just gets swept under the rug. Exactly, exactly. And I've been in some spaces where it makes it even more difficult to be in that place where you might say the wrong thing, but you do it anyway, because there's so much shame that's kind of draped around everything that comes out of people's mouths. And so it makes it really, really difficult to, um, to, to navigate those fear voices 
when you're like, I want to do this. I want to do the right thing. I want to, you know, I might not do it perfectly, but then I'll learn from it. But it makes it hard to learn from it because, because if we're coming from a place where we're having a stress response to how that's received, you know, if we're attacked or something like that, then we're not really actively learning. We're just in fight or flight. We're just in a place where we're trying to protect because that's like, that's how we're wired. <laughs> that's how humans are wired. So you actually said something that I think is important and it's that fight or flight thing. Mm -hmm. And so Indy and I have talked recently about um, like biofeedback testing and essentially it's um, for those that maybe are hearing this and are like, what? Um, it's essentially where they're just kind of testing your body's response to stressful stimuli and then how quickly you return back to whatever your kind of resting space is. And the interesting thing is that um, even if you don't actually have the testing done to consider what is your resting space, mm -hmm. you know, what is actual, you know, fight or flight? Like, what is that point look or feel like for you? And then what do you then do with that? That's something that I feel like there's a lot of people that unknowingly are already starting off at a much higher, you know, more elevated place as just the norm. And so something that you know, in caveman days was like, there's a bear. Now it's yeah. like, oh my gosh, there's a comment on Facebook. <gasps> right, and exactly. And it feels like a similar threat. Yes. Yes. So, you know, realizing that like fight or flight is not really showing up in the way that our bodies were really designed for it to be there. You know, when you are trying to step back into things like amusement and trust and intuition like how do you you know recognize that fight or flight and not let that be the reason why you shut all these kinds of things off yeah so a lot of it is practice the biggest word is practice and i'm gonna say before saying anything else that you're not gonna get it perfect 100 percent of the time and the place that i wrote my book from is not from a place of like preaching to people because I'm at this side of, or I'm on the other side of things and I've done it and I've conquered all this stuff. No, like I'm human and I'm in it too. Like we're all going to be in this place of needing to practice these skills. But so getting to the point of recognizing it takes a lot of practice of just being aware of your thought process, what your thoughts are saying, the stories that are coming up, because we have tons of stories that we've been telling ourselves for years and years and years. And so once we kind of tune into that and what's happening upstairs in our heads and mm -hmm. pull back to be, I don't know, I think you've read The Untethered Soul, right? Oh gosh, yes. Right? So like pulling back to being, being the observer. So we're not the ones who are coming up with our thoughts. We're, we're the ones who are who's seeing the thoughts, right? So being in that seat, seeing those fear thoughts come up um, and then knowing that in the moment you can either do something. So like if you're in true fight or flight, you might not necessarily be able to be in a place where you can have action as far as like saying something in response. So say it is a comment on Facebook, say, say maybe you need a little bit of space, but you can recognize that. Like if you're in the moment and you feel that spike and you're like, oh yeah, I always feel that feeling in my arms or in my belly or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. that 
to me that I need to step back. I need to walk away. I need to set this down for a few minutes and come back to it because I know that I am not in the right part of my brain right now. <laughs> Meaning like you're in the, you're in that protective spot. But what you said is another thing. And I don't think that everybody is always aware of the physical response mm -hmm. to these psychological situations or, or, you know, kind of triggers because they're just like, you know, I am frustrated. I am angry. I am upset. And they just like, sometimes I feel like these, you know, I'm not going to say that they're rudimentary words, but they're not encompassing of the entire piece. And it doesn't always include like, you know, my stomach is in knots. I feel nauseous. My head is spinning. My back hurts. My shoulders now become like chandelier earrings because I have hunched <laughs> up. You know, like you don't always recognize how your body is responding. And that physiological response is, it's there to tell you something. And it's so often that it's not being paid attention to, which is why it's persistent and it keeps happening. And you'll have people that are like, why do my shoulders always hurt? And it's like, well, <laughs> because you hunch them all day, um, you know, when something happens, but that's a part of, you know, I guess from my lens, a part of that kind of paying attention to what's going on and not necessarily trying to force it away, but just like you said, that awareness of like, okay, that is what I do when this happens, the if this, then that kind of thing. Exactly, and we can't force it away. I mean, we can try, um, you know, we've talked about before how that's not very effective and that doesn't last. It's not a sustainable way of existing with our bodies and with our feelings and all of those things, you know, it takes, um, again, practice. I love that word and I'm sorry, it's true. Like you don't get here just overnight, you know, it's a practice over and over again, bringing yourself back to being aware of, you know, well, this is going on with my body and gee, when I feel this way, like, oh, you know, I feel this way in my feet and, um, but yeah, I totally forgot where I was going with that, but, <laughs> but yeah, so, <laughs> woo, um, but yeah, like it, it doesn't work to, um, to shove it down. You know, a lot of people will say like grin and bear it or, you know, white knuckle it. Well, mm -hmm. that's just avoiding those unpleasant, uncomfortable emotions that we all have. And so we don't have to ignore them, to acknowledge them, detach from them a little bit, little bit and realize like, hey, that's that fear story of blah, 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 like, or X, Y, and Z, or that's that fear voice telling me this and putting it to the side a little bit and being able to like take those fear blinders off and see the bigger picture and the fact that you have choices and the fear isn't speaking your truth. So that statement, the fear isn't speaking your truth. This is where I think a lot of people that um, either own their own brand or just in some type of business capacity, this can show up. And um, I'd actually like to hear from your point of view, from like the um, therapist space, the kind of holistic wellness space, coaching, anything that's about kind of taking care of the whole individual in a different way versus the logical piece, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, things that are just maybe a little bit more emotionally based. Where do you think that that comes up? That whole concept of the fear, not telling your truth. So in like the actual construct of my business. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that, you know, the fear has 
fear shows up in my business spaces all the time. And because a lot of times for me, one of my biggest triggers around, um, well, I guess we can stick with the therapist space, but honestly, for both of my businesses, one of the things that is a huge trigger for me and my fear is whenever we start talking about forming contracts or any sort of legal language, I get like, <laughs> there is a giant, giant fear voice. And part of that's probably growing up with an attorney as a father, um, you know, just being hyper aware of all of the possibilities that, you know, at that point, my fear voice is overestimating risk, right? So it's saying like, oh, well, for sure, if you forget this one clause in there, or if you aren't exactly sure, like you're getting sued tomorrow, you know? I mean, there's this really big voice around that. So for in, in the business space, and specifically working with therapy clients, you know, you need to have certain things in place like privacy policies and you want to make sure your contracts are clear when you're working with people online you want to make sure that there's clear informed consent and everything and i have been in a place before where i've actually felt paralyzed by these things and almost didn't want to go forward and you have to get to the place where you're saying like okay well i'm gonna put out what is it like B minus work or whatever, like as long as I'm moving forward, I can, I can adjust it later. It doesn't have to be perfect right now, but there's forward movement. Um, you know, because otherwise I would have never started my businesses. But I think that's the exact thing that most people are just, you know, I, there's almost this kind of like, well, I can't do it because of fill in the blank. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, well, none of us would have done any of this. <laughs> like, by no means was this based on perfection. And honestly, whether it's large or small, it's still just kind of based in do it anyway. Um, not not fully in a place of like, I'm going to do something asinine. Exactly, but, exactly right. But take you know, chances. yes, because, you know, what's that old say? Like, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Like, if you are never putting yourself out there, uh, talking about what you do, sharing how, you know, you can help and be of support and just not only putting it out there that you want to help, but then being willing to, you know, receive clients or that support of other business owners, whatever that looks like, if that's not happening, then nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nothing happens. And so I think that that gets amplified when what you do is based in um, like values. So for example, when like I've seen things online again, where you will center mothers of color when it comes to having children and the recovery and the different pieces around that. I have seen you um, going to the library. And so one, there's that whole like, more of the eco-conscious piece around that but then there's the whole you're getting books that are centering little girls of color with natural hair mm -hmm. to share with your children and so I feel like you lead with your values in life and in business and that's where I feel like fear shows up hardcore people get scared they're like shit if I do this 
then what happens? What happens if one person doesn't like it, then all of a sudden I forgot about the 10 people that loved it. Exactly. Because we're, we're, you know, our minds are wired to like the, you know, the negativity bias thing. And, um, like, so can I tell you, so, um, when my son, so I have a son and a daughter, my son is my oldest. He's now five. My daughter just turned three. When my son was, um, turning one, we wanted to get him a baby doll because we're all about just, you know, not, we were all about forcing, not, not forcing rather certain toys on them. You know, we wanted him to be able to have a baby. And, um, I really wanted to get a black baby doll for him. And I didn't because I was, I was, I was so unsure about fielding the questions from family and friends. Mm -hmm. And by the time my daughter came around at the same age, I was like, well, I'm going to get one of color because, because <laughs> now I don't care. <laughs> right. But, but I, I was, when my son was that age, I was still very much in that place of, and I'm not going to say I never get to that place like, anymore, but um, being so concerned about like people giving me a hard time or making jokes about it or something like that. And I just didn't act. Well, I did. I made the other choice, but it wasn't necessarily the best values-based choice. So like now I'm going to have you put your kind of therapist hat on when you answer this. Mm -hmm. If you were to think about the difference from when you initially had that decision to make with your son and then by the time that you then got to your daughter and you responded differently, what do you think the difference was from like one place to another or kind of maybe what was that evolution? Because I think that it's a great example of what that can look like. Mm -hmm. So I think there were a, a couple different factors. I think one is, you know, kind of what you already spoke to was the living in your values piece um, and reaching a point of comfort with yourself and not just with yourself, but comfort with other people's discomfort. Um, that, and not to sound like I mean that like as an a-hole, like just meaning like, right. I don't know how you feel about cussing on your podcast. So I'm oh screaming. no, you, you can say fuck, you get half on. Oh, okay, well I wish it's, I was not just an a-hole, I meant to say asshole. So yeah, not to be, <laughs> <laughs> not to be like that, but like to just, say like, well, their discomfort with my choice, at least because it doesn't pertain to them. It doesn't have anything to do with them. What color my kid's baby is. It has nothing to do with them. And I can start to be uncomfortable with their discomfort around that because that reflects their work to do around it, not mine. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. that that, I don't know if that was the answer you were looking for, but I think that it had a lot to do with like living more into my values, increasing comfort, and self-certainty, self-assuredness, um, really solidifying my, my identity, honestly, after, you know, becoming a mom. So I, I, I think that that's something that I don't want to gloss over it for the moms, but I don't want it to be lost for those that um, don't have children or maybe don't biologically have children and maybe mentally don't classify themselves as a mom. Right. Um, because I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a proponent of uh, mom things being more about actions that you take versus I kick the baby out my body. Right. Um, right. 
so I, I think that there is this place of like, when you go through stepping into that space of, of being a mom, doing mom types of things, just the actions, there is this reconciliation with who you were and who you are and who you're becoming that is, is it can feel like a little bit of a mind fuck. And yes, 100%. I, I think it's a little bit of a parallel sometimes to if someone is, um, no pun intended, I guess, but like birthing a business, like you're giving life and energy to something and you're investing in it. And there is this place of having to reconcile who you were, who you are and who you are becoming more of and doing it anyway. Because the reality is, is starting a business, being a mother and any, you know, any other things in life that um, that parallel can be drawn with. But I think those are two very, you know, similar ones in the sense that they can be scary as fuck. Like they, they're not little things. They're not willy nilly. I had nothing better to do today. These are things that took energy. They took time. They, they take, you know, money and, you know, somebody somewhere said, I want to do this. And now who do I need to talk to, to follow these steps, you know, to do certain things and certain things have steps. Some of it is just doing the thing, but, you know, you know, kind of reconciling within yourself that like, yes, I am a person that does these things and I can step into these values and I can be self-assured enough that everyone else doesn't have to agree or to, want to do it this way in order for me to feel validated or vindicated. Like I can still do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And it's still a need for it. Absolutely. Yeah. No. And it, I, you're so right that birthing a child or opening up your space for a child, regardless of how you become a parent is so much like starting a business or writing a book or, you know, any sort of like project or venture. And there are so many different ways that can happen too. And opening up your space to become, well, you know, this other extension of yourself and yeah, how do you, you know, what are your business values versus your personal values? And are they similar? Are there ones that exist on this side, but not on this side? And it takes courage. It takes a lot of courage. It takes trust and it absolutely takes that imperfect action to show up and give it a try because we get another chance with most things. Anyway, we get another chance. So, okay. So you, you mentioned two things there that were really big one. Yes. Writing a book is a lot like that. And I'm going to say that because as somebody that has been pining away at trying to write a book for, I don't know how long over here, (laughs) it is, it's not easy. I'm like, huh, oh, this is hard. And it's a certain bearing of your soul and very inside intimate pieces of you. And I know that, you know, sometimes it can look like, oh, people just make these books and put them on, on uh, Amazon. And it's like, uh, no, no like, yeah. it's, it's bigger than that. And there is this, you know, kind of complexity that comes up with being transparent in that way and, you know, investing in and and giving life to something like that and doing it anyway and not being worried about what the outcome is because that's where I think people get hung up 
it's like, well, this has to fill in the blank, make money, uh, be successful. Uh, and yeah, what does successful mean anyway? Right. Well, exactly. Because people are like, you know, well, this, this needs to be something, but you mm-hmm. haven't quantified what that means to you mm-hmm. because there is no mm-hmm. standard answer for it. Exactly. You know, for some people, they will, you know, put information or a service or an item out there. And it's really just about doing it. Other people, it's like, no, this is a, a means to live. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, for some, it's in, it's a combination of both and some other stuff as well. And so it is, you know, when people do bring in words like this has to be successful. That's a loaded ass statement. What does yeah, that mean? Is. Yeah. What does success look like to you? And, you know, I think a lot of people equate success with, you know, financial outcomes and, um, you know, maybe like visibility, like how visible your book is or something like that or your business. But there are so many other definitions. I mean, to me, part of the success, and it's not all of it, but part of it is about the personal growth venture that has been pretty much every single thing that I've done, whether it was creating the business, writing Birth Story Brave, writing Sparks, and, um, but all with the mini things in between, not even just that, but like, Oh, I have this idea for this workshop and do all the workshops, you know, come to pass. No, because that's how it is being in business. Right. But we, we just, we find that, um, that do it anyway, like spirit. And we just, we forge forward. Agree. And so I, so I think that there's that place of having to define what uh, success or a triumph or a win, you know, whatever term that you want to put on it, what that looks like for you. But you also used another really important word and that's visibility. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those things that I think. So one of the things that you do talk about in the book with amusement, I think that visibility is one of the things that I think um fear pops up with stepping into your values and being visible Mm -hmm. and finding some type of amusement in it and it not being drudgery yeah I think is a lot of people are like what that that doesn't go together no I think that it, it absolutely you know we can also the amusement piece you know we can also kind of you know be tickled at like how um how up, you know, uptight we are about being seen or, you know, not even tickled, but curious about it. We can be open to it being fun. We can be open to laughing at ourselves. We can view it from this lens of entertainment versus like being so caught up in our thoughts about it that we just feel like you said, like (laughs) kind of like that drudgery and that dread and Mm-hmm. that's when we are so wrapped up in our thoughts about all the stuff happening. But if we can kind of practice amusement and like, like intentionally say to ourselves, well, I'm going to, I'm going to shift right now. I'm going to make a shift and I'm going to look at it through this lens, whether I am able to sprinkle fun into it. Great. If I am. And if it's not necessarily fun, can I at least have some curiosity or wonder in the fact that like, I can even reach people all over the world at all. I can connect with these people this way, you know, Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have been able to do that 
even, I don't know, five years ago. What was happening five years ago? I don't know. I was a new mom. I don't mom. know what was happening was last week. I, I'm, I'm, I'm swear it's Groundhog's Day. I don't know I don't anymore. Know. I don't know. Nobody knows what time it is. I barely know what day it is. It's Monday, but I keep feeling like it's Sunday. I don't know. My husband's off work right now. And my son keeps being like two days behind. I'm like, I know, baby. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know. But that's a good example. Yeah. Don't take yourself too seriously. It's like, uh, well, right. That's a great example. And we don't have to get so ungrounded by the fact that like, oh my gosh, we don't know what day it is. What does this mean? What does this mean? Well, no, let's come back to the present. It's okay to laugh at ourselves. Even in the midst of a pandemic, pandemic, we can laugh at ourselves in the middle of all of this. Yes, Yes. it's heavy, but we don't have to We can take it seriously while at the same time view things through this lens of amusement and some lightness as well when possible. Personally, I I think that you kind of have to because otherwise you can't, I mean, and maybe this is just my particular view of life, but if it's so heavy and it's so serious, well, what the fuck is the point? (laughs) See, that's why we're friends. (laughs) So on that note, um, I want you to make sure that you tell everyone um, your last moments and parting, parting stance on Sparks and where they can find it and where they can find you. Yes. So I, okay, so we'll start with Sparks. Sparks is available on Kindle and in paperback on Amazon. And I found that it works best to search for it under Sparks Emily Souter, because apparently if you just put Sparks in, there are a couple other things that pop up. So Sparks Emily Souter, and I will send a link to you, Erica. Um, Mm -hmm. I am... I have a couple different websites. EmilySouter.com is my therapy website. NestingSpaceLLC.com is my coaching and Reiki site. And then I'm on Instagram as nesting underscore space. And then Emily Souter, LCSWC. I'm all over the place. Yes. So this is where I am going to ask you to actually go find Emily, reach out, talk to her. She is very receptive. She's an amazing conversationalist. And go and support small businesses and individuals with these books. Go and do that. Find yourself something to read and to extend that and support. Do that. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, friend. This was so much fun. This was amazing. I, 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 you know, I'm a stickler for conversation anyway, but this was great. Thank you. Thank you. I'm such a stickler for good conversation and this definitely did not disappoint. I just, I love how Emily and I really talked about so many things that I think are pertinent in life at, you know, pretty much any given time and being able to just not let things get in the way of you just living and being and just, just moving forward again, that imperfect action. And this is the type of conversation and the type of action that we really try to get you in within the community. Pause on the Play, the community is just this amazing space that Indy and I have curated and we're just so enthused that we've had the opportunity to even do this. And so it's a Facebook group that also has um, one hour Zoom call every month. So we are able to support you in, you know, being in imperfect action. And 
really getting that implementation and integration of your values going and really being able to make decisions that are going to get your business to the next level. None of that formula stuff, none of this one size fits all. We don't believe in any of that. We throw all that out. We are curating the space to be able to be diverse, to be able to have conversations around things like diversity, equity, and inclusion and leading with your values and being able to really support you in where you want to go. Like we are here for you. That's the entire purpose. And the room is just not complete without you. Now is your time. And so we'd love to have you in there. Come on over to pauseontheplay.com forward slash community to learn more. Again, pauseontheplay.com forward slash community, $97 a month. You get India and I and all the bells and whistles of this amazing space that we have created for you. We're waiting for you. If you enjoyed this podcast, show us some love by subscribing, share with a friend, or come on over and leave us a review. You know that reviews are the fuel to keep the podcast engine going. Let's get more people dropping the veil challenging their thoughts, feelings, and actions. As always, we love being here and creating the bridge for you to walk over to become the change that you want to see. So join us next time. And until then, keep the dialogue going. Bye. Ready to get clear on what matters? Let's do this. From implicit to explicit is a framework that helps you to get clear on what matters and how it informs the way you live and lead in your workplace. Whether it's focusing on the team building and connection that can happen when you talk about what matters to you as a person or how it informs the outcomes that you seek in your business, it can all completely change the game. Having clarity on what your values are and how this shapes the way your work creates the foundation for every action that you take, and then sharing this information across your team explicitly. This is what creates confidence and integrity in what it is that you are creating and sharing with the world. Visit pauseontheplay.com forward slash explicit to learn more about this collaborative and interactive workshop and sign up today. Ready to lead through your values?